0: Turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. I am really glad to welcome you and very excited about the great spirit already and uh, the wonderful message last night on surrendering our life. I, I agree with Dr. Getch. I believe that God is still calling young men and young women to serve Him. Uh, the problem is that many are not answering. And uh, we, we at this chapel service today... Many need to just pick up the phone and say, here am I, Lord, use me, send me, and be available and willing to do what God would have us to do. I was saved when I was 10 years old. We were having the Lord's table service, and they passed the elements by, and the pastor said, if you are not sure that you're saved, then you shouldn't take this because it's the Lord's table. It's for saved people. And uh, the pastor was my dad. And when the Lord's table went by, I was sitting on the front row. The reason I sat on the front row was because I was a preacher's kid and I was always in trouble. And so I was told to sit on the front row. And when we got home that night, my dad called me into his room. And he said, why did you not take the Lord's table tonight? And I said, well, you said that only someone who could remember when they were saved should take it. And I couldn't remember when I was saved. And that night, on April the 5th, 1972, in San Jose, California, I knelt down by my parents' bedside and prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And I'm so glad that He saved me. And then I remember, uh, as a junior high boy, working at a teen camp in the summertime. My job was to sweep the floors and clean. I remember the last Friday night of the last week of that camp, after hearing preaching throughout the summer going forward on a Friday night and surrendering my life to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the devil fought me some in my teen years with respect to that decision, but I always knew in my heart that God had called me to serve him in full-time ministry. I talk to people all the time that uh, have been to veterinarian school and therapy school, and they're serving in, in, in various fields, police officers, doctors, who tell me, I was called to the ministry as a teenager, and I ran from the Lord. I wish I wouldn't have done it. Well, I just want you to know I'm glad that I didn't run from the Lord. I'm glad I went to Bible college, and I'm thankful that God has used me in the ministry. And uh, when we came here 31 years ago, I preached my first sermon to 12 people. And since that day, there have been so many people come to Christ, and we give them the glory for it, and we praise Him for it. And we're praying that some of you would catch that vision while you're here with us. I want to read to you this morning from Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to read beginning in verse number 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning, for the beautiful day here in Southern California. Thank you for the many guests on the campus of West Coast Baptist College. We do thank you that the college is a ministry of a local church, just like Uh, the churches where many of our students are from, a place of preaching, soul-winning, bus ministry, singing, and growing in Christ. And Father, we pray that you would continue to use this ministry to train servant leaders who will go out into the harvest for your purpose and will. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I said a moment ago I was saved in 1972 And I remember one of the first things that happened after I got saved, I was given uh, a copy of God's Word. And I have that Bible up in my office, and one of the things that, that I enjoyed doing was meeting preachers. I always liked listening to different preachers and hearing about how God had blessed them. And whenever I met a preacher after I got that Bible, I would go to them and I would ask them to sign the Bible. And uh, I always would run home and read the verse that meant something to them and try to understand how it might help me in my life. And I had the opportunity as a young man growing up in Northern California. I, I went to different basketball games. I remember going to watch the uh, uh, the uh, basketball team up in Golden State Warriors. And I remember shaking hands with a man named Clifford Ray. He was the center at that time, seven feet, four inches tall. And, and his hand just engulfed my hand. And I remember having him sign something for me. And I remember when the Oakland A's were winning the World Series and having Raleigh Fingers and Sal Bando and some of those guys sign a baseball card. And all of that was fine but for me what was really exciting was getting around preachers who were sold out for the Lord and just wanted to see something happen for God. And, and it just was a thrill. And, and, and it was a wonderful time in our history of uh, independent Baptist churches to have many great men of God who had a camaraderie amongst one another. And, and they would come and preach. And I remember hearing men like Dr. Uh, John R. Rice. And I remember hearing uh, men like B.R. Lakin and uh, B. Myron Cederholm and Jack Hiles and Lester Roloff and Lee Robertson. It was just an amazing, as they'd come, and each of them had their own sort of a style as they preached, and, and uh, some of them uh, cl- concluded the message differently. Some gave an altar call. B.R. and I remember each time he would preach, he'd preach his message, Brother Gets, then he just close his Bible. He said, there you have it. That's how he finished. There you have it. And he'd say that every time. And I'd watch and try to understand the style of these men. And I, I tell you, as a a seventh grader and eighth grader and then up into high school, I began to dream about joining the ranks of these preachers. And I began to wonder, wonder where God will put me. I wonder what city I'll live in. I wonder what uh, kind of church I'll be able to pastor and maybe I'll be able to support some of these very missionaries that I've met as a young man. And, and I, I think about the dreams that God put into my heart and and what a privilege it has been to come into the ministry, but something's been happening in the ministry lately that's greatly burdened my heart. And that is, first of all, that every man that I mentioned to you a moment ago now is in heaven. And many of the missionaries that, that I've known and supported over my life, many of them, because of health reasons, are coming back from the field and back to the United States of America. And the fact is today that there's a great need for your generation. There's a great need for a new generation of preachers just like I sensed in my high school years a new generation of preachers, wives, Christian educators, evangelists, missionaries to say I'm burdened for my generation And and to say, I want to join the ranks of those uh, and learn from them while they're here, while they're still training me, and while they're alive. I want to get around them and pray with them and learn from them in the classroom so that I might reach my generation for Jesus Christ. And it seems that from time to time, the truth and the church will come to a crossroads, to a time of enlistment. A time where there must be more who will step into the fray of battle and be willing to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what was happening in Joshua chapter 1. For here we see the children of Israel at a crossroads. In fact, you read it with me a moment ago. The Bible says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. The Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, many times uh, when there is the passing of a great leader, people wonder, I wonder what the future's like. Uh, when there's the passing of a generation of preachers, there are those that wonder, how will this go forward? And by the way, how many of you are thankful that Jesus said, I will build my church? And we're thankful for that promise. But there is oftentimes this question, and I suppose that question concerning where's this all going would have been asked during this moment in the history of Israel because some might have wondered, well, are they going to go back to the golden calf? Uh, Will they go back to the uh, influences of Egypt? Will they go back to the uh, dancing around the calf and forgetting that there's a God that called them out? By the way, the church is a called-out assembly. God had called them out from Egypt, and now Moses, the deliverer, uh, had died. And I, I'm sure that people were thinking, all right, uh, we've come all this way, and we followed all these miracles and promises, and now Moses is dead. What's going to happen? And I say to you this morning that there are people in churches across America whose pastors are elderly, whose pastors... Are facing retirement whose pastors have gone to heaven and there are congregations of 40 and 60 and 100 and 200 and more who are asking this question is there someone that would come and preach for us it was my first phone call this morning the first phone call this morning was from a church asking is there someone that would come and preach for us The second phone call this morning from the state of Maryland. Is there someone from your college who could come and help us with our youth ministry and our music ministry? It seems that everywhere I go, the question is the same. Would there be a young man that would be willing to help us in our church? Would there be a young lady that would be willing to help us in our church? And so it was that Israel stood at a crossroads. And so it is that we in America stand at a crossroads. Uh, the need of the hour would be young men and women who would step into their place and provide the leadership for their generation that is so needed. Now the fact is that this is not something that I can wave a magic wand and make happen. I wish every young man from our own youth group would say, uh, here am I, Lord, use me. I, I but I can't I can't make them say that. And your pastor that brought you here, your parent, they want you to, to give your life to the Lord and yet no one can can create a leader from the earth up. This is something that comes from heaven down. It's the calling of God that we're seeking. It's the leadership of the Lord that we're looking for. For the Bible says, Promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. I believe that God would like to set many of you into special places for your generation. I believe that God has a place for you. I say that to you for many reasons, one reason would be that last year of the 220 graduates from West Coast Baptist College, all 200 plus graduates were placed out into the ministry, and all of them graduated with not one penny of student loan debt to their name. They're out serving the Lord today, and there were many more places than we had students to recommend. I'm telling you, there's a great need in your generation for people to do the work of the Lord. And Joshua shows us that you can be a leader no matter how old you are. No matter where you are on a flow chart, no matter what kind of home you came from, no matter what state you come from, God is looking for men and women who would simply be available when He puts His hand on their heart and calls them to serve. I want you to think about Joshua for just a moment with me this morning. And I want you to wonder with me for a moment, why did God call Joshua? Uh, what was it about this man and, and the first thing I see in the Bible when I study Joshua's life, I, I see Joshua's preparation. And as I begin to read about Joshua, I see that here was a man that had been proven. He had been faithful. He was a man proven in battle. The Bible says in Exodus 17 and verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Uh, Joshua had been faithful to Moses as the leader. Many of you that are here as our guests today, you are here as a junior or a senior that has been faithful in your youth group. You have been faithful to the Lord. You have been encouraging to your pastor. You have had a good testimony in your church. And Joshua had a faithful testimony. In fact, the Bible says in Exodus 17, 13, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Just to say it this way, he had been a faithful soldier in smaller battles before God would place him in a larger battle. He had a faith that was worth uh, really trusting. And may I say that a faith that is not worth testing is not worth trusting. And, And Joshua had been faithful in the smaller battles, and so now God was Looking to him for greater responsibility. He was proven in battle. I see also in Joshua's resume that, that he was prepared through serving, he had been involved in serving the Lord. Through his life, Exodus twenty-four and thirteen, and Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua. You see, uh, Joshua. Let me challenge you with this: uh, Make sure that you have a servant's heart. Make sure that uh, those of you that are here in high school that you have a heart to help your pastor, your youth pastor, uh, to move some chairs, to pass out some tracks, just to whatever's going on, to be involved. The Bible says, "For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto." But to be a minister and to give his life a ransom for many, I think one of the great opportunities here at West Coast is that as a ministry of Lancaster Baptist Church, just like many of you at home, there's an opportunity to be involved in a bus ministry, to be involved in a Sunday school class, to be involved in various different outreaches in order that we might see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Joshua was a man proven in battle. Joshua was a man prepared through service. May I say this thirdly, Joshua was a man patient in serving. Sometimes when you're a senior in high school, you feel like, man, this is taking forever. Then you get into college, you think, man, this is taking forever. But Joshua learned how to wait on the Lord. Exodus 24 and 18, and Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. You know the story. Moses went up into the mount to receive the law, the revelation from God. And the Bible says in Exodus thirty-two fifteen, and Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand, and the tables were written on both their sides, and on the one side and on the other they were written, and the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God given upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise in the war uh, uh, of war at the camp. I-, I want you to get this simple picture, if you would. Moses goes up into the mount to receive the commandment. He's there how many days? Forty days. Moses comes back down out of the mount. Guess who's there waiting for him? Joshua. Joshua had learned to wait on the man of God. Joshua had learned to wait on God himself. For forty days he had waited. Psalm 27 and 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let me just encourage you to follow the leading of the Lord, and then when He leads you, to trust Him. And when it seems like it's taking a while, to trust Him. He was patient and waiting. I want you to see, fourthly, he was pure in his vision. Joshua was a man that had a heart that was pure for God. Turn in your Bible to Numbers if you have your Bible there. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1. Just looking at the life of Joshua by way of introduction. Numbers 13 and 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers. Shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them? And Moses, by by the commandment of the Lord, sent them out from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And then if you would, notice over in chapter 14 of Numbers. What happened when they went to spy out the land? Numbers 14, 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through, and to search it, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will get, bring us into this land and give it us, a land which is flowing with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us, their defense has departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade bade uh, stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Now, just think about that for a moment. God allowed Joshua to see the promised land, and all oh, they saw uh, the great uh, uh, amounts of wealth, and they saw the grapevines, and they saw the rivers, and they saw all of the blessing of it. And Joshua just believed this. If God has told us that this is our promised land, then God is able to do what He said. And Joshua and Caleb essentially said, I want that mountain. They said, if God called us to this, then let's not doubt. And while, while the rest of the congregation and the rest of the spies rebelled against the Lord, Joshua was very clear. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into the land. In other words, he had a distinct vision. And we need some young men and young women today who will say, listen, if God calls me into the ministry, then God is going to pay my school bill and God is going to get me a job. And God will help me to lead me to the right place. And God will give me faithful co-laborers. And with God's calling comes God's enabling. That was the vision that God gave to Joshua. And it came from the Word of God. Because vision is always based on the very Word of God. I remember when I came here to Lancaster, some people kind of made fun of my vision. And uh, they kind of thought I was just overly zealous, if you will. I remember when we first made our gospel tracks. I didn't have any money at the time for a gospel track, but I went to a printer here in town and I, I drew up a little track on a on a yellow piece of paper. I didn't have, you know, even a computer at that time. We didn't have graphics. We didn't have a lot of the programs some of you have learned even in school. I just had a, a, a Bic pen and a yellow pad. And I wrote on there, Lancaster Baptist Church and our times, and I wrote on there that we had uh, we had an active uh, youth ministry and a vibrant music ministry. And I wrote all these things out there. And, and I told the man at the track company, I said, sir, would you, would you typeset this and would you make 5,000 tracks for me? I said, if you'll make 5,000 tracks, I promise I'll come back in 30 days and I'll pay you uh, the money for the tracks. He kind of scratched his head. And he didn't understand the Lord had given me a vision for Lancaster. And he said, Well, all right, I'll do it. I came back a few days later and I got those tracks. Boy, I started passing them out 500 tracks every week for 16 months to help get the church started. And I remember one day I was at a pastor's meeting. And I had those tracks in my pocket and I gave them to a few friends. I was so proud. They had my picture right in the right in the front left, you know, and had a picture of the church and all this, and I was giving them out to some friends. And I remember there was a preacher over to the side, and he had he had that gospel track in his hand, and he was looking at it and talking to another preacher, and they were laughing at it. And I, I guess I was a little self-conscious. I thought, are they laughing at my picture? What are they laughing at over there, you know? And I went over and I said, What are you guys laughing at? They said, Well, Brother Chapel, this track that you made right here, it, it says in here that you have an exciting Sunday school. Said, You don't even have a Sunday school. You don't you don't you don't have staff, you, you're just running less than a hundred. I said, Well, my wife teaches all the children in the Sunday school and she's excited, so that's an exciting Sunday school. <laughs> and they said, Ah, maybe. They said, Look at they said, You put in here that you have a vibrant music ministry, you don't even have a pianist. You don't even have a choir. I said, well, I lead the singing and I'm very vibrant when I do it. That's a vibrant music ministry. They said, you put here you have an active youth group. And uh, they said, you don't have a youth pastor. You don't. I said, no, no. I said, we have three teenagers. One of them is hyperactive. That qualifies us for an active youth group. <laughs> they laughed. They kind of were scoffing me a little bit. You know, I wish that same preacher could have been here last Sunday. I wish you could have seen 5,000 people in Sunday school. I wish you could have seen the last few weeks over 200 people baptized in this baptistry to my right. I wish he could have seen the youth group and Brother Chaplin, the youth staff, teaching hundreds of teenagers. I I wish he could have heard a 200-voice choir and a 40-piece orchestra. I've got to tell you something. God is looking for some Joshua's who see it His way, who see it God's way, who believe that God can do anything but fail and who put their plan on paper and work the plan and trust God until He brings it to pass. And what I'm saying here is never doubt in the night. What God gives you in the light, and never let the devil tell you that you could not be a preacher or a missionary or an evangelist or whatever it might be. And Joshua was a man that had been uniquely prepared of God to stand at that moment in leadership for his generation, and God may be calling some of you to do the same for your generation. I want you to notice, secondly, not only Joshua's preparation, but Joshua's purpose. Now, it's very simple in verse 2. Notice it, please. Moses my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Now Joshua had a purpose. And his purpose was the leadership of the people. There were five nations of the Canaanites that would be conquered if they would have the promised land. There would need to be this vision that would motivate the people, but now there would need to be a plan that would mobilize the people. And so God tapped the shoulder of a young man, not a young man, Joshua, but an older man with vision... And God touched his heart, and then God gives him this plan. In fact, in chapter 1 here in verse 10, the Bible says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host the command of the people, saying, Prepare you victuals from within three days. Ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. In other words, God had His plan. He just needed a man to fulfill that plan plan. And so it was that uh, he would provide leadership. I thank the Lord uh, for the men in this college and the ladies in this college that are getting involved as soul winning captains and bus captains and Sunday school teachers and 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 learning what it means to lead out and to claim territory and to reach souls uh, for the glory of God. He was to be a leader of the people. But notice not only the leadership for the people, but he was going to provide a location for the people. He was going to provide this location. And we read about it in verse 4. It says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. We call it the promised land. It was 300,000 square miles. And, and this was an amazing amount of, of land. And, and sad to say that the children of Israel never claimed more than about 10% of it. And may I say today, don't sell yourself short. If God has promised that He's going to use your life, step out by faith and see what God can do with your life. But here we see that that God had given them a land, a location. You know something I think is amazing? God tells us that the church is a called-out assembly. And the church needs a place to meet. And did you know that today all across America, there are buildings old dilapidated buildings that were once a church. And many of them could be reused as a church again if there was just a preacher. We heard from our missionaries last week, even from London, England, old churches in England, sometimes with just three or four little old ladies waiting, wondering if someone would come and revitalize the church. We see on the East Coast churches that... Uh, once stood strong for the Lord and now they're being turned into coffee shops and, and bookstores. I don't know about you. I don't necessarily think America needs another coffee shop or another bookstore. But I know America needs another soul-winning Bible-preaching church. And I'm simply saying that God is calling men to lead people into locations whereby they might live and stand for the glory of God. And this is why Jesus has given us our commission. And this is why the Bible says in Acts 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And I have no idea where you might wind up. I met a graduate of our college just yesterday. He's going to the Galapagos. Those Islands uh, uh, down in South America. Who would have ever thought uh, that the very islands where Darwin supposedly developed his theory of evolution, that a man from West Coast Baptist College would go there to establish the first independent Baptist church in those islands. I'm just saying to you, there are still corners of this world that need somebody to go and claim the land for the glory of God. God is looking today for men with vision who will claim an area. And many times we see the Jehovah Witness with their suitcases going from door to door and we say, that's ridiculous. And we see the cults and we hear about the Mormon young men and young women who give two years of their life to a Mormon mission field somewhere. And yet we have trouble getting young men and young women to give one year for Bible college. I'm telling you, it's time that Baptist young people started following Jesus once again getting out and saying, Lord, I don't know where you want to send me or what you want me to do, but I'm willing to surrender my life to do what you've called me to do. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29 and 11, speaking for God as the prophet of God, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That means God has a goal and a plan in mind for your life. He he knows it already. It's written out. It's there for you to discover and to enjoy. For His honor and for his glory. Joshua was a prepared man. He was prepared for the purpose of God for his life, which was to lead his generation to claim land, to claim promises for the glory of God. But notice not only his preparation and his purpose, I want you to see finally Joshua's provision. Joshua's provision. You know what I think this morning? I think there's a lot of people, maybe some of our guests, maybe, maybe 18, 19-year-olds, maybe some in college, and you sit here today and you think, that's really fine preaching, Brother Chapel. but I don't know how to connect the dot from sophomore in college paying a school bill to a preacher in Manila or in New York or in LA. It, it just seems so far away. And this is what I want to tell you this morning. God will make a way. Where there seems to be no way, God will make a way. It's, 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 he says He'll do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And God is looking for a generation of young people who will change this world. Young people that will go out and make a difference For the glory of God. And I tell you today that we wonder, and perhaps Joshua uh, didn't know exactly how it all would be done, but God provided for him. God made the way. God opened up the door to go into the promised land. And I want to tell you fundamentally how I know God will lead you. And some of you are saying, great, this is the part I'm waiting for. They have a new scholarship, Full Ride Scholarships. Or someone might think, tell me, tell me how it works because, you know, I'm from the East Coast. i got to have enough money for airfares a couple times a year. How does that part of it work out? Well, let me tell you how God will provide for you. The first thing that he gave to Joshua was God's presence. Teenagers, there must come a point in your life when God is everything and God is enough. And, and Joshua had come to that place where God was His all in all. Verse 5 of chapter 1. There shall not any man be able to stand before Thee all the days of Thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with Thee. I will not fail Thee nor forsake Thee. And I remember as a young preacher thinking... As God was with Lee Robertson, He would be with me. As God was with John R. Rice, He would be with me. As God has been with Dr. Getz, He would be with you. As God has been with your pastor, He would be with you. As God was with Paul the Apostle, as God was with the great missionary Bob Hughes, as God has been with Rick Martin in the Philippines, I'm saying, it is the same God, and this is what God said to Joshua. Just like I was with Moses when the Red Sea was parted and the soldiers were drowned and the miracles were seen, I will be with you. It's the same God. We serve the same God. And God is enough. Numbers 27 and 18, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. He was a man in whom the Spirit dwelled. How many of you have been saved this morning? Raise your hand. Let me see your hand. We call it being born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. If you're saved this morning, then you've been born of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Hey, God is enough and God is in you. Hebrews 13 and 5. He hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Watch this. So that we may boldly say, God is is my helper, and I will not fear what men do unto me. Someone says, if I go to a Bible college, my friends at home will make fun of me. If I go to Bible college, I don't know about the bills, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, and the Bible says, but the Lord is your helper, and you need not fear what man will do unto you, and He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you, and He will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I just want to say this morning, God is enough. There are decisions that I make nearly every day that make no sense to a bank account or accountant. They make no sense to a modern day business plan. Uh, someone might say, why are you building another building? Why did you build the Walther Center? Why are you hiring this one or that one? Why are you buying these buses? Why are you advancing and doing these things? And how will it be done? And a lot of times, even as with our deacons meeting last night, 35 deacons, I don't always know the why, but I know the how. And His name is God. And there is a God in heaven who can get you through college. And there is a God in heaven who can open a door. And there is a God in heaven who can use you in the Philippines or in New York City or in Los Angeles or Kansas or Colorado to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Zachariah four and six, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not my might, nor my nor by power, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see to Moses God said, Go, and, and I will be with thy mouth. And to Joshua, God said, Go, and I will be with you. And to Jeremiah, God said, And they shall fight against thee, and they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord of hosts, to deliver thee. And to me, and to you, God says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Amen. You mean like he was with Moses, he's with me? You mean like the way he was with Joshua, he's with me? Yes, he is with you unto the end of the world. Amen. So how did Joshua get it done? God was enough. And how did Joshua get it done? God's word was enough. God's presence, and may I simply close with this, God's preserved word. You say, well, I came all the way out here for you to tell me that with God and the Bible it's all going to be okay. We call it walking by faith. We call it it's time to stop holding the coattails of your youth pastor and your, your uh, Sunday school teacher and it's it's time to stop simply believing it because they believe it and it's time for you to start believing that there's a real God who can meet your needs. Notice what it says in verse 8. Very interesting statement about the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Notice this. When you're obeying the Bible, God says, I'll make your way prosperous. I suppose he could pay a school bill. I'll make your way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. And I've seen it. I watch young people today, and, and, and they delay in going to college, and they go to 17 colleges, and they try a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they try veterinarian school, and therapy school, and this and that, and the next thing. And they sometimes maybe find success around age 35 or 40, but there's a generation that are going to learn that God is enough, and God's Word is enough. And lo and behold, they're going to be in their mid-20s carving out a work for God because they 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 just simply at college days decided that God was enough and they decided to trust God. You don't have to waste the next 15 years of your life floundering around playing games on the computer and just trying to figure life out. You can get it figured out today. God is enough. God's Word is enough. And I will follow Him. That's the pattern that we see in Joshua's life. The Bible says in verse 8, this book of the law. You see, the law had been kept The law was was kept very carefully, even uh, there in the Ark of the Covenant and and carried and the Word of God given from generation to generation. Matthew 5 and 18. For verily I say unto you till heaven and earth pass, one jot nor one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of fire, earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt pervert, preserve them from this generation forever. And, and here at West Coast Baptist College we believe that he has preserve them in the King James Bible this morning, that you can open it, and you can trust it, and you can believe it, and you can follow the Word of God as a lamp unto your feet. And God says to Joshua, I want you to meditate in it. And this is why we have chapel, because we need to let the Word of God speak to our heart. If we want the God of truth. We must know the truth of God. And, and we don't want to simply mark our Bibles in chapel. We want to let our Bibles mark us. We want to meditate on it. We want to let the truth get into our hearts. Then we want, the Bible says here in verse number 8, Thou shalt meditate that thou mayest observe to do. When we hear something in chapel and we think about it in chapel, then we want to go out and do what God has called us to do. And I see in Joshua's life that here is a man who had been prepared by God for this very moment. Here is a man that had a purpose to lead some people uh, to claim an area for Christ. And here's a man that had provision. God said, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to give you my word, and it's kept, it's preserved, you can carry it with you. And I'm saying, with God's calling comes God's enabling. And I believe just as sure as Moses was dead and I believe just as sure as we're seeing a generation of Christian leaders pass off the scene there's some Joshua's in this room. I I don't have the time to try to convince you about it. You know that God's working in your heart. I wish Dr. Bobby Robertson who pastors one of the great and largest Baptist churches in the East Coast I wish he wasn't Struggling with brain cancer right now. But he is. And I wish that Mrs. Sis wouldn't have gone to heaven a few weeks ago. But she did. And God is looking for Joshua's. And Mrs. Joshua's. Who will say, Lord. If you'll go with me, I'll go. And I challenge you today. Be the Joshua. That God has called you to be for your generation. Lead some people to do what's right. There's enough people following the Justin Biebers of the world. Somebody needs to point the world to Jesus. Lead the people to do what is right, to claim an area for God.